Hi, this is Russ Taft. Hi, this is John Oliphanty. Hi, this is John Schlipper Petra. Hi, this is Kim Boyce. Hey, everybody, Stephen Curtis Chapman here, and you are listening to Jesus Freaks Final to Digital. Hi, I'm Jason Huddle, host of Jesus Freaks Final to Digital. Before we get into this week's program, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading this episode and giving us a listen. If you really like what you hear, we'd love to have your support. How can you do that, you say? Well, I'm glad you asked. Simply visit patreon.com slash Jesus Freaks Podcast and become a monthly sponsor. Now you can do that for as little as two measly dollars per month, or you can go higher and get special perks like advanced access to episodes when available, the opportunity to submit questions I will ask our artists on future episodes, and even your very own Jesus Freaks t-shirt. Again, that's patreon.com slash Jesus Freaks Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And hey, if you'd like your business or organization to become a sponsor of this program, let us know by visiting our website, JesusFreaksPodcast.com, and click on the Become a Sponsor link at the bottom of the page. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get on with the show. This is Steve Shannon and Mark Ambrose from Idle Cure, and you're listening to Jesus Freaks Vinyl to Digital. Previously on Jesus Freaks Final to Digital. As Christians, you know, our goal ultimately is to make the best art that's illuminated by our faith. But there's something even more bright about it. There's something that is even more attractive. And that is the gospel. That's that's the, the heart of Jesus that's in there, woven in that, the, the truth, you know. Christian music legend Stephen Curtis Chapman sat down with us to talk about his life and career. In this second part of our two-part season finale, Stephen gets real about the challenges he faced as he began to gain stardom. And I remember just saying, man, I feel like things are going great on one end, but I just, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm doing any of it right. I feel like a failure as a father, as a husband, because, you know, I'm, I'm gone and my wife's carrying this alone. I feel like I'm, am I even really doing the music thing right? And we'll also talk about he and Mary Beth's special mission to help those couples with a heart for adoption. From the door of the airplane to the door of our car to get home with our daughter, we probably had four or five people say something to us like, man, we're so excited about you guys and your adoption. You know, our heart is for adoption. God put it on our heart. We've always wanted to adopt. We just can't afford it, you know, right now. But we're going to do that someday when we finally can afford it. That was really when Show Hope began. Plus, we'll preview some more music from his newest project, Still. That's all coming up right now in this season finale of Jesus Freaks Vinyl to Digital, a preferred podcast of Way FM and part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Jason Huddle.
But let's let's jump back a little bit. Great adventure. Really. I mean, you talk about going from some pretty good. Most people have heard of him, but mm-hmm. not really to like yeah. stratosphere top echelon. Now you yeah. are the Michael W. Smith and the Andy yeah. Grant. And you're yeah. on that same level with Great Adventure. What was that like? Well, it was, again, pretty crazy, pretty. Uh, and, and I will even use I mean, I'll use the word scary um, because. You know, I, I remember hearing a song, you know, always again, wanting to push kind of myself a little bit with the the next, you know, music, uh, what writing, you know, music that is speaking the language musically, even texturally, you know, of what is sort of the current language, so to speak, um, of of what's going on, which is you can hear it in my music, you know, through the years, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be informed. I don't feel, you know, never felt like I'm chasing something or it's be allowing myself to be informed by, you know, I mean, it's as simple as there's a time when, you know, when, uh, you know, electric guitars and and guitars were really, you know, not, not the thing. It was all keyboard driven or it really moved in that direction of techno, you know, and, and, and sequencers came along and everything started to kind of move in that direction and drum machines and things, you know, and music just moves in, in that direction. And you can hear it if you go through and listen to, let's listen to music from the seventies all the way through current, you know, Um, the influences of of what's happening musically. And my goal was always, how do I take what I'm hearing and sort of pop music? If I turn the radio on and this is what's kind of the language being spoken right now in the music world and what in me is organically, naturally uh, relatable to that. So I'm not going to go put on skinny jeans and start doing, <laughs> you know, uh, punk rock, or I'm not going to, you know, uh, obviously, you know, hip hop and, you know, that whole world. And <laughs> no, I'm no, not, you, I'm, no, we're going to yeah. get into that because you did do rap. I, I did, I did. But but even <laughs> that, if you noticed, my, my way to do that was, I'm going to poke fun at myself yeah, right. and do a parody. Yeah. So I'm going to scratch that itch, you know, a little bit, but I'm also going to, I'm going to do it in the, in the, in the most honest, you know, organic way. Stephen Curtis Chapman can do that because I am still, and will always be as I wrote on my, you know, last record, a bluegrass record, you know, uh, underneath my skin, you know, really always been, you know, just a country boy, you know, and, and uh, a boy from, you know, where the bluegrass grows, Kentucky. Well, normally at this point, you'd hear me sing and I'd be doing that acoustic guitar. So by now you're probably wondering, What's going on? Because this is really starting to sound like one of those rap songs. Well, let me tell you what the boy's up to. You see, I like rap music and the beatbox group. Sometimes, I gotta admit, I close all the doors and wave my arms around and I face the floor. But then I crack up laughing. I gotta stop and just face the facts. The boy don't give pop. You see, I grew up in a state where the grass is blue. So if it's gonna be believable, it's gotta be true. It's got to be true. Toby wants to talk to you. True. Check it out. I got a next door neighbor. And I can tell he's been watching my behavior. Yo. Yo. He heard that I'm a Christian guy. guy. He wants to know if that's a truth or a lie. Why? He's got 
a list of reasons not to believe Like doubt, disillusion, hypocrisy It's gonna take some living proof to break the through these walls So yo, it's got to be true if you'll believe it at all So whatever I'm doing, you know, so when The Great Adventure was was really influenced at the time that I had heard this record by 38 Special, uh, and, and which was a rock band, you know, that just kind of a great uh, old school rock band. It had this song that kind of, you know, that, that captured my attention. And it was this rock and roll guitar riff. And it sort of was like, yeah, you know, and, and I love that music. And I'd written and played that kind of music some and dabbled with it, but, and you hear it on my very first record, you know, a song called Dying to Live, which, you know, I played electric guitar solo on that and loved it. But I thought that was always kind of the left, the left field. And I thought, I'm going to see if I can kind of bring that center court for a minute with this, with this record. And, you know, start with this guitar riff, Great Adventure. I write this song out of actually a, a pretty heavy season of, all the great success and things happening, you know, with my music and getting to do things I never imagined. But in the same time, you know, my family's growing. My wife is at home. I'm traveling more and more. She's struggling with me being gone with having, you know, at the time, I guess all three, maybe all three of our babies, at least two of our little ones. And, and I remember going in and meeting with some guys and saying, uh, it was pastors and, and my manager and just, kind of a check-in, you know, on music, but my heart, my, my spirit, where's all of that? And I remember just saying, man, I feel like things are going great on one end, but I just, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm doing any of it right. I feel like a failure as a father, as a husband, because, you know, I'm, I'm gone and my wife's carrying this alone. I feel like I'm, am I even really doing the music thing right? And, you know, because I'm just not sure. And, just really kind of struggling. And these guys encouraged me and just talked about grace. What does grace say? You know, that, that all of that, you know, God kind of says you're, it's not possible for you to be a failure because Jesus took all the failure on himself. Mm -hmm. And so you just have his grace, you know, to go into these situations. Yeah. You're not going to do it perfectly. Anyway, all that was said, just, I left that meeting that day. I remember feeling like I could, you know, with Jesus leading me and God's grace surrounding me, I could conquer the world. And so I walked out. It's like, man, it's just like saddle up our horses. Let's get, let's go. It's a, Do it's it. an adventure. Yeah. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get scary. There's in mountaintops, valleys, but we're going to follow Jesus. And he's led, he's led the trail already. He's leading yeah. us. And so it was just kind of this, that's got to be a rock and roll song. That can't just be, you know, saddle up your horses. You know, it's going to have to have some grit and some, yeah. like, come on, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of came up with that. And so that record, you know, then kind of written around that song and, and that that whole idea. And But then the tour, you know, is really where things, you know, it's the first time I put, uh, you know, I put a full band together. I mean, I had a band on, on for the sake of the call, but, you know, I kind of, I, I re, you know, sort of re-energized my band with some, like top, you know, shelf players. And we rehearsed this and went and premiered the album at uh, Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas, which was the biggest concert by far I'd ever played. The record label, you know, had everybody there. You know, it was a big, it was part of, at the time we used to have something called um, CBA, Christian Booksellers Association. And everybody oh, yeah. from all, 
you know, radio records all kind of came together, converged and, uh, and, and in this one place. And so everybody was there and I unveiled that record and it was, everybody was super excited and the song was exciting, but I remember doing these concerts and it was the first time where, you know, kids kind of ran to the front of the stage, you know, and they're kind of grabbing at your shoes, you know, and they're yeah. like, I want the high five and, you know, and, and all good fun, but it was like, Whoa, this, I've never, this is weird. This, yeah. is this okay? This feels like rock, you know, this feels like a, you know, the Beatles or some kind of sure. crazy rock and roll thing where they're, are they really worshiping God? Or are they, you know, wanting to, you know, get, get a high five from me. This is kind of right. strange. And that, you know, so it was, it was all of those things. It was, it was awesome. And it was kind of scary. And it was a time for a lot of, you know, running back to, you know, I remember calling my pastor, sitting with him going, how do I do this? You know, is this right? Is this okay? And how do I steward this well? You know, so, but yeah, that was that definitely kind of a, that was, I guess, a, a turbo boost, you know, you'd say, you know, into, into my music and my career. trying to be conscious of your time. I know you don't have a lot of it. So uh, I guess I'm going to have to skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, can Can we talk a little bit about before we get into your new music? I, I want to talk about you and Mary Beth. You've been so active in adoption towards adoption and, and those mm-hmm. that are trying to adopt as a fellow adoptive parent. I have I have two uh, two oh. adopted kids myself. In fact, my daughter, who is my youngest and she is uh, 12, uh, loves The Great Adventure. She loves that. She's, she's all over that. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love Her it. two favorite songs are The yeah. Great Adventure and The Champion from Carmen. So that's that's like the two <laughs> that songs that she always amazing. asked me to play. So wow. anyway, so tell me a little bit about that and, and what you guys are doing and have been doing uh, to help uh, help these kids that need uh, need safe homes to be in. Yeah, well, we uh, our journey, I'll do the yeah, super um you know, super fast version and there's all kinds of information and people have heard me. If they've heard me in the last 20 years, they've heard me, you know, go on and on probably about this um, in concerts and in interviews and all. But we adopted our daughter, Shohana, 22 years ago, March mm-hmm. of 2000. 
and that was all the result of we had three biological children. Emily, our oldest, went on a trip with her mom to Haiti, spent time with kids that didn't have a family and came home from that trip changed, kind of wrecked by it at 11 years old. She came home and said, Mom and Dad, there are kids in the world without families, and that's not right, and we got to do something about it. What are we going to do about it? You know, we're Christians. We're the ones who, you know, say we, you know, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. What are we doing? And we need to adopt. And we said, well, that's a wonderful thing, beautiful thing. But um, you, you're going to need to do that when you grow up, you know, because <laughs> that's not happening here. But we're going to support our, our job was, you know, we thought we'll support other families. We'll, sure. we'll be involved, you know, which is incredible and needed and, and important. But God was doing something, obviously, in her heart that he used even an 11 year old. So, you know, I say again, Jesus, absolutely. You know, it's the faith of a child, you know, that, yeah. that the kingdom of heaven is built on. And, and so um, we adopted Shoei, uh, and then we'd go on to adopt Stevie Joy and Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would have three biological and three, uh, my wife says supernatural, three natural, three supernatural. Um, <laughs> I love that. Br- brought into our family by the miracle of adoption, but every bit as much our, you know, sure. uh, our, our children and uh, our daughters. And when we came home with Shoei, uh, our first adoption, uh, literally came home in the airport, arriving home from China. Our whole family went, our three kids, Mary Beth and me, and we come home to a massive welcome home party. This was before 9-11, so everybody could go to the gate at the airport. You'd have to go through security. Yeah. So there was like 200 people at the gate. It was crazy. News cameras, everybody, you know, had kind of tracked <laughs> our journey. And we had probably, from the door of the airplane to the door of our car to get home with our daughter, we probably had four or five people say something to us like, man, we're so excited about you guys and your adoption. You know, our heart is for adoption. God put it on our heart. We've always wanted to adopt. We just we can't afford it, you know, right now. But we're going to do that someday when we finally can afford it. Yeah. That was really when Show Hope began. What is now Show Hope, originally called Show Hannah's Hope. But it was there at the airport. My wife, just on the way home, said, Sweetheart, there are, there are families that will adopt these these kids. And there are millions of kids in the world Half a million right here in the U.S. foster care, millions, you know, in China, in Africa and, you know, all over the world that are growing up, you know, without a family. They've been orphaned for one reason or another. And there are families that would take them and and give them a life and a, a story to live. And Christian families, families that would introduce them to, you know, the God that made them. They just need help financially. That's yeah. all that's stopping them. We got it. So she's like, I'm going to start helping them. But, you know, there's more than we alone can do. Let's start telling the story. And that's really, you know, how uh, Show Hope began. We began to formalize that and get people who, you know, were brilliant, smart people to help us create, you know, a, uh, an organization, a nonprofit that now to date has helped over, I think it's like 8,300 families now with adoption aid grants, financial assistance bring children home from 63 countries. So literally all over the world, the U S to bring kids into their family when they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do it financially. And that's because people then heard our story and came alongside us and said, Hey, we want to help make that happen. James one twenty seven tells us, you know, clearly, and you guys live it, you know, it, you know, why God put that in there, you know, true religion, the truest form of religion God sees is when we care for, you know, orphans and widows, those in, in need, those in distress. And um, and so when we do that, we connect in a very intimate way with the heart of 
God the Father, the Father of, you know, the fatherless as he calls himself in scripture. I mean, he is, he is a God passionate about adoption. That is the gospel, right? That's our story. to support families in that way. And it's grown over the last few years. We now do intense support for families after the adoption process. Well, before training them, preparing them better, because we've learned a lot by the school of, you know, experience that, man, uh, love alone is not enough sometimes because these kids will come from traumatized situations, from institutionalized uh, early beginnings of life. And we're learning so much about the brain and the impact of that on the brain and on just everything about that child. So how do you love them best? How do you equip families to say, how are you going to be prepared for this? Because this is not going to be just, you know, maybe like raising your other biological children. They're going to come with, you know, some invisible baggage, you know, that that's coming with this. Even the babies. Yeah, even the babies. And how do we prepare families? How do we equip them? How do we come alongside them? Uh, in that process, God's a holistic God. He's He's got everything covered, even though it doesn't seem that way a lot of times. So we believe that and we've been trying to just uh, equip and, and accommodate that in so many ways that we can. So we have a, a, a great conference that streams, you know, into churches all over the world, literally now called Hope for the Journey. Mm. Um, and we do a lot of work with just equipping families through what we call our pre and post adoptive program. We support families in medical needs for their adopted children through our medical care program. And then we have a student program because this whole thing started with the heart of the student. So we uh, encourage and engage students to consider God's heart for adoption and kind of plant those seeds in their young hearts 
to yeah. think about adoption, not as just, Hey, if we can't have kids biologically, maybe that's a alternative to think, wait a minute, God, God's got something else, you know, as well about this heart of adoption for us to be engaged in. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the, the work of show hope. And there's an amazing website, showhope.org. You can find out all about it. Thank you. We'll put that in our uh, show notes as yeah. well. So people can find that. Okay. All right. So let's talk about your new music. The new music is called still. And I don't, I don't want to get into this uh, too deeply because I know you've, you've given too many interviews about it, but I feel like your music shifted after the death of Maria and understandably so. Yeah. But this, this is almost, whereas directly after her passing, a lot of your music was hey, you know, you're faithful and yeah. you're, you're going to lift me up. But this is a little bit more introspective. Like, look, sometimes I don't have the answers and I'm not even sure if he's listening. Yeah. So this is a sort of a, a dynamic shift in your lyrics in the, in your style of, of lyrics. Tell me a little bit about this new album. It's called still, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell us about it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we, we could, this is probably a whole nother episode. So we'll, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll have to, we'll get back together and do that. Cause I could go way into the, uh, you know, the, the, the journey, the, the emotional journey of deciding even to do this because, you know, on so many levels, you know, one, you know, when, and you, you have graciously, you know, done it again today is like, man, this, your speechless record, the great adventure record, those are pinnacle moments. And, you know, my faith journey, music, you know, the music you've made, you know, and, and I, you know, when you're a, a an artist or writer on just purely the creative side and the emotional side of it, there is a moment when you think, I mean, I've got a great friend who is a, he's, he will define himself as, as the ultimate U2 fan. One of the biggest, he said, I love U2, love U2. I'll go see him every time they play in concert. I'll drive wherever I have to. Joshua Tree, one of the greatest albums ever. See, and he will say that and he will say, and I really honestly don't, am not that interested if they make new music. And yet I'm a huge U2 fan. Mm. And it's because I'm a U and what he is saying is I'm a fan of all the music U2 has made. Mm -hmm. If I'm going forward, I'm probably listening to, you know, Coldplay or now even Coldplay. A lot of people go, yeah, it's Coldplay made a new record. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, now I'm into, you know, because yeah, yeah. music changes and new artists come along with something new to say, a new way to say it. They look new. They, they you know, all that. Yeah. And so you have to wrestle with that. I do as an artist. And I have in even recent years when I'll put out a new song or I'll perform a new song. It's funny because I've had so many artists as of late, you know, and they're all I've, I've heard several artists who have been around for a while say, yeah, it's crazy, man. In concert, I found this interesting phenomenon. New music make people have to go to the bathroom. It's crazy how that works. You know, it's like a new song immediately makes somebody have to go, go use the restroom. I never restroom. thought about that. Yeah. And I've heard several different artists say that in different ways. And it's hilarious because it is, it's like, you know, oh man, yeah, sing the hits. It's like, hey, we got a new song. Okay, good time to go to the bathroom. Because um, I don't know this one and I'm not sure I really, you know, want to get to know it because I just, I got, I got, you know, I got a long list of the hits. And so as a creative, you know, guy who, who has more things to say, you got to wrestle with that and go, do they, you know, the collective they who I've written these songs to share with over the years, you know, I don't write them in a vacuum just to say, I just want to write this and sing this to myself. I want to sing it to people who are going to go, man, thank you. I needed to hear that. And when you think, are they going to say, oh, man, thank you. I don't know if I needed to hear it, but 
but I appreciate it, you know, and, yeah. but man, what I need to hear is, you know, X, Y, Z from the past. So finally, all those voices wrestling with all that saying, do I even need to make new music for, for any other reason than finally just this place of going, I need to, because there's a perspective right now that I have that I didn't have five years ago, 10 years ago, particularly, I mean, this pandemic, this impact it's had on all of us, something that is unprecedented, where almost in a way, our personal experience, I think in some ways I saw globally so many people walking through what I almost felt like in a way my family and I walked through 14 years ago, where everything changed, everything, it was like a, like an earthquake that, that destroyed the infrastructure of so much of your life. And then you have to begin to rebuild and decide, am I going to choose to keep believing and declaring these things to be true? Because a lot of it doesn't line up with, you know, a lot of what I have, the the language I've spoken, the way I've understood faith to be and work and all of that. And so it's sort of this, you know, deconstructing, but in, but in all the, the best kind of ways for me to come to a place of going, and the reason for the record still is basically, you know what, in all of this, yes, I have, I mean, you mentioned it and it's, it's a lyric, a couple of lyrics that I, when I wrote them, I was like, I think I just said in four or five, you know, phrases put very well what I want to say. Mm-hmm. And it was in the lyric of still I've rested and I've wrestled and I've rested. Mm-hmm. I've trusted and I've tested God's patience like a foolish man. And and then there's a lyric that says, it's been beautiful. It's been terrible. It's been more painful. It's been more wonderful than I ever could have known. Mm. Even so, even so, still, I'm going to sing about the one who's given life to me because he's still faithful. He's still good. I still believe it. So I still want to sing about it. The sky was clear, Kentucky blue. He led me high up the mountain. To show me the view I said wherever this journey takes you Just trust me I'm already there I had no way Of knowing then Just how hard the rain would fall And how fierce would be the wind It's been beautiful and terrible More painful, more wonderful Than I ever could have known But even so
think at that point, I, I was like, that, I, I need to write that song. I need to offer it. I need to send it out into the world and forget all the, you know, is it going to be good enough? Is it going to, you know, is it going to find its place in the relevant, you know, is it going to be relevant? Is it going to, you know, matter as much as all that kind of stuff, which is silly. And I can tell myself all day long, but it's still, it's still real, you know, and I wrestle with it. And so to finally just get to that place and say, I mean, part of the thing too, was I was writing these songs and and part of the reason of, of the importance of this is as I was writing these songs, not only were we going through, you know, this pandemic that made me wonder, am I ever even going to get to play music again? Am I going to, you know, is this thing ever going to come back to where we can do concerts and we, you know, we live life the way we used to live it. Um, I am walking through with my wife, uh, her brother-in-law and, and her sister's husband gets diagnosed with, uh, he starts stuttering and, and, and slurring his words and like, what's going on He's 62. He's just retired. He's loving life. He's in the sweetest spot of life. And he finds out he's got five cancerous, tumors on his brain, glioblastoma, as they call them. And, and so we start praying for him to, you know, to be healed. And yet I'm spending time and I'm looking across and he's just, you know, he just starts weeping and says, I, I don't want to die, but what if God doesn't heal me? I believe he can, but, mm-hmm. but he, he, he may not. In fact, he most likely won't, you know, but it doesn't mean I don't believe. And I'm wrestling with him. I'm praying. And, and you will hear the song uh, where the opening lyric is, and is, you know, he said, this just might be the last time I see you on this side of heaven's door. We said, there's no way it's true. We're all praying for you. You've got at least another 30 years more. God answered our prayers for his healing, just not in the way we had hoped. Yeah. And we're reminded again, only the father knows when he's going to call his children home. So, I mean, I'm wrestling with these very things. I'm going into the studio, you know, working with some new guys. I, I decided to open it up. I'm going to write with some new people. I'm going to produce with some new people and still trying to be a student of music. And, and I went in multiple times with the guys I was working with in the studio, producers, co-writers on some things. And I go in and say, guys, that song we wrote, the lyric we wrote yesterday, I'm stand, I'm sitting across from my brother-in-law in my brain right now. And I'm saying, can I sing this to him? Can I say these words like this? And, and it's not that it's not true, but I, I, we got to rewrite, I got to rewrite this. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to do, you know, say it like this. I mean, it was constantly kind of a filter for me of going, I got to be able to say these things. And so I, I'm, I'm digging in to the deepest places. You know, one of the most powerful books I read in the last few years is a called a book called companions in the darkness written by a, a theologian, a, a lady who's in seminary writing from her own battle with depression. And it sent her into this, research of nine saints, Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, Mother Teresa, uh, William Cooper, who wrote great hymns, who struggled with, tried to take his life several times, struggled intensely with mental illness and depression. And, and it's like all of these people who battled at this intense level and yet continued to say, still, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to still yeah. trust God. I'm going to choose to believe. And, and our, our, you know, our world is, never been crazier, um, <laughs> at least in my lifetime and all of the division and racially and, and politically, and this crazy. And even in the church, even in the faith, yeah. you know, of, of people, d- you know, dismantling and deconstructing their faith and, yeah. and all of this that's going on. And so I guess, yeah, to answer that I did, it was, it was just 
digging into the deepest places to say, look, I've wrestled, I've wrestled, I've, I've, you know, trusted God and I've tested him. And, and, you know, there's a, a song again. I mean, I'm thinking through all the songs. I think as you listen, when the record comes out, you're going to kind of go, yep, I hear it there. I hear it. There's a song called unfixables. Mm -hmm. And it's really wrestling with just what do we do with all these unfixables? Cause I grew up, you know, like you probably did singing songs, you know, in church every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Yeah. And I'm like, man, these days are not sweeter <laughs> in, in the sense of what I understood yeah. the sweetness to yes. be. Now, it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means I gotta I gotta wrestle this down and, and realize that maybe there's different definitions of some of these words <laughs> and these understandings I had of faith. Yeah. And how do I put all that in a new record? Well, musically, and I know we're you know, we're out of time, but I'll say this musically. One of the things that I did, and you, if you saw the music video for the I song did. "I'm Alive," um, particularly the the third one that we've that we released, you'll uh, you'll see me um, in the studio making music with my favorite rock band in the planet on the planet is uh, a band called Colony House. There's their, their uh, yeah. cup. I'm I think you're coffee. a little biased, but they are good. <laughs> I have seen them live. They are yes. good. Yeah. And if, if for yeah. those of you that don't know, two of the members of Colony House are Stevens' sons. Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that, that's like the ultimate, um, you know, for me was to get to have my sons join me and, and play music with me. Uh, it was, it was amazing. So yes. That's, that's so cool. And, um, let me just tell you real quick as we close out, uh, thank you for doing an album like this immediately struck a chord with me. I've walked the same journey, uh, because of my, my own dad's passing. He died from cancer and, um, yeah, that right, right before my life got interesting, like right before I got married, he, he passed away. And, uh, just as I was starting to, you know, enter adulthood. And so I wrestled with that, with God for a long time about, you know, why did, why did he not get healed? And, and, you know, other people do, and I just didn't get it. And I, I don't have all the answers, but God's given me some things to dwell on and to think about, and he's given me some different perspectives. And, and so, um, I appreciate you putting an album out like this because a lot of times people forget that you as Stephen Curtis Chapman still struggle with God the way that everybody else does. Uh, you still have your own trials and tribulations and it's, it's, <laughs> please don't take this the wrong way, but it's good to hear that. It's good to hear that we're not alone in this struggle just because you have achieved a level of, um, you know, stardom, if you will, or anything or or fame or acclaim. That doesn't mean that you don't have the same struggles with your faith that everybody else does. And I think it's important for people to hear that. It's kind of the purpose of this show uh, is to get those stories behind the music, to to hear the heart of um, of the artists that we interview. So I appreciate you taking some time with us today. Well, thank you so much. And uh Thanks for getting it and for, for hearing and listening at that level um, and, and letting it, um, you know, be, be a part of your story and your journey as well, Jason. That means so much. I mean, that's the kind of mission accomplished in that, in that sense. And um, uh, just, just the fact that you would, um, you know, give me a chance to share a little bit kind of behind the curtain means a lot, buddy. So thanks for what you're doing as well. And uh, that. great to spend time with you. Hey man, I, I, I hate that we had only a limited amount of time because there's, I could spend two hours talking to you, but, yeah. uh, but so we'll have to have you back on sometime, Absolutely. But, uh, but thank you so much. Stephen Curtis Chapman, the, when's the new album uh, officially released? It's a, uh, 
October 14th uh, okay. is the is the date. So that's when the whole well, that, that's when the first uh, I actually rec- I recorded the 17 songs. Um, I just I was like, well, I've written them. I want to say all these things. So we're going to release the first 12 in October. And then I think a deluxe edition with the remaining uh, whatever four uh, five will come out uh, sometime in February, something like that. So, all right. Yeah. Look, looking forward to it. Can't wait Thank for you, that brother. date. And uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. All right, Jason. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. Of course, I'd like to thank Stephen Curtis Chapman for being such an incredible guest. I could think of no one better to close out the third season than a legend like him. And he was an absolute delight to talk to every bit as real a person as you would expect him to be. He was incredible. Hey, just because we're closing out the third season doesn't mean we still don't need your support as we start preparing for the fourth season. There are all kinds of operational costs that go into planning and producing this podcast for you. And we would love to have your support. If you feel like you can support us, please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Jesus Freaks podcast and give us your support. You can start at $2 a month. Goes all the way up from there. And you can even earn some swag like T-shirts. As we're planning our fourth season, we'd love to hear from you about what artists you'd like to hear from. So chime in on our Facebook group page. That's Jesus Freaks Podcast or on Instagram at Jesus Freaks Podcast. And let us know who you'd like to hear on our next season. Until then, you have been listening to Jesus Freaks Vinyl to Digital. It is produced and hosted by myself, Jason Huddle, with special thanks to research assistant Kevin Jewell. I'm going to leave you this season with another brand new track from Stephen Curtis Chapman. This is the one we discussed that he did with Colony House. This is I'm Alive. Until next season, God bless. Well, I've been thinking and thinking till I just don't know what to think anymore. And I've been trying to figure it all out.
this world wondering if we're gonna survive then we discover the laughter but it's not too long after the bright days turn to night and we carry this longing for it all 